For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Doesn't anybody know how to drive in this town? That was my experience on the way home. Uh, I kind of had uh, a reverse degenerate adventure on my way home, uh, trying to make post time here for uh, our second episode of License to Steal. Good to be with you, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz. We're going to try and help you make some money over the Labor Day weekend. And this isn't one of those things where we're going to have a bunch of screaming maniacs telling you, I've got the game of my life. And if it loses, I'm going to go ahead and give you the rest of the season free. Uh, we're not touting anything. We're not selling anything. We're just uh, trying to steer you in a direction where you can literally bury your bookmaker. And we attack this from a lot of different angles with the people that we have on the show, uh, including today's lineup of guests, which uh, we're going to start out with Mark Lawrence, world championship handicapper, and a gentleman we know as the professor who was 2-0 and last week in his selections that he made on one of our other platforms, uh, giving you the fighting rainbows of Hawaii to uh, easily cover against Vanderbilt, which they nearly won straight up, which uh, came across at six to one. And uh, then a gentleman we know as the luckiest man on the face of the earth, the Greek, who somehow has uh, some direct steam pipeline to Las Vegas. And even though he doesn't embellish his selections with a lot of logic, yeah, I like Green Bay, I like Cleveland, and I like uh, Toronto. And you're like, what? Why? Give me something. But uh, it's, it's straight off the phone there. I mean, uh, as if Steve Wynn was monitoring the action and told him personally, hey, uh, Greek, we, we've got three games for you that uh, cannot lose. Uh, but anyway, uh, my uh, driving experience was weird. I, I'm, I've had this uh, many times happen to me. I'm sure it has happened to you. Uh, Luby, you're not as uh, versed in this uh, as uh, most of the sick racetrack degenerates that are tuned in the show would be. But uh, there's probably been a time in your life. Uh, I grew up in New York, and I remember uh, an adventure trying to get to Belmont Park in time to place a large wager on a daily double. You finally had an inclination that you were going to hit that day. You somehow get it stuck in traffic on the Belt Parkway. You realize that you're going to have to abandon conventional means of making it to the racetrack. And you find yourself in a scene that looks very much like the car chase scene in French Connection. Hey, Popeye, step on it. (laughs) (laughs) And you race into the parking lot. Uh, you realize it's like five minutes to one. They're going to go off at a time where they're observing strict post times. None of this uh, delayed action where, where you're sitting there waiting forever. I thought that hit zero like an hour ago. And sure enough, uh, you have to hurdle the turnstiles on your way into the track in the clubhouse. You blow by that 90-year-old guy with the gray hair. And uh, I don't know why they arm these uh, security guys at racetracks with shotguns. Did that ever make sense to you? <laughs> <laughs> Only in Florida would they allow guys like that to carry a gun. I mean, a guy that literally looked like he was going to fall over and drop dead. That's the security guy at the track. And he's usually guarding the money room, which is classic. But anyway, so you blow by them, you get to the window, you finally get the money down, and uh, only to find out that your horse couldn't run. And you would have been better off saving yourself and staving off all of that anxiety in the first place. So happened in reverse for me. And uh, I did do one of those Blues Brothers moves over the uh, drawbridge to try and make post time for the show. 
And uh, so I finally got home here, and uh, we want to dive into this uh, college football card. Got off to a good start last night as uh, we, we despise the Florida Gators. We mentioned this <laughs> on our morning briefing show. So uh, the, the smart money was showing up, though, in, in the Gators' corner, was it not? The line uh, word had gotten out that the Utah, uh, the, the Utes were, were going to be uh, very, very uh, shorthanded. They were missing some of their key players. They didn't have their quarterback, their star quarterback, who uh, is really an exciting, electrifying type of player, and that led them to some uh, very impressive victories last year. He's out. Their best defensive player is out. An assortment of other players are going to be on the sidelines. The Gators out of the SEC. We don't know what they're going to be. They had some moments last year. Napier's in, what, his second year as the head coach of the team? Yep. And you're, you're thinking if he's going to make any kind of a step forward, this would be the time. And the line was diminishing uh, day by day, as uh, the ball game was about to go off last night, I think it might have gone off uh, under four and a half in favor of Utah. And sure enough, uh, the Gators, uh, who was this guy? They had uh, Mertz at quarterback. Was that Fred Mertz from the old Honeymooners <laughs> episodes? He looked horrible. And the entire game plan uh, really uh, it was a kind of a fugazi approach to trying to beat Utah. Uh, the Gators went down. They ended up getting crushed, annihilated. And we, we got off to a good start because uh, that was just one of those emotional bets. Now, we're, we're going to deal with people on the program here that, that throw emotion right out the window. They, they would rather pass on a game than uh, go ahead and acknowledge that they were either going to bet a favorite or uh, take a team that they absolutely despise. But I, I think, though, well, Luby, you have to uh, sort of uh, you know, rid yourself of that whole feeling and go ahead and embrace it. If you think you can make money on a game, Go ahead and uh, lay the points, take the points, whatever it is, with a team that you uh, normally would, you know, uh, wish nothing but uh, evil for, as uh, was the case with the Florida Gators in this game last night. But they ended up losing. Uh, I guess uh, the, the wild one was the Arizona State game, as uh, Arizona State uh, was in there against some Schmink team they were supposed to beat by 30 points. And what was that, uh, Southern uh, – Southern Arizona Tech or, or something? Southern, uh, oh, God. Uh, it was some school I'd actually never heard of. So Mark yeah. Orange is having trouble signing on, which is which is so fun. Um, uh, South Utah. Southern Utah. Southern Utah, which I've ne I'd never heard of until last night. All right. Uh, Southern Utah was uh, the opponent. They, they were 30-point uh, underdogs uh, in this game. Uh, a torrential rain. Did that hurricane circle its way back to Arizona and uh, hit the desert? What happened there? Arizona State uh, ended up uh, really just staggering around as uh, they, they were all out life and death to hold off on the money line, uh, Southern Utah, and ended up winning that game by three points. It was a two and a half hour delay, which uh, had a big impact on a lot of people because uh, th this was the first uh, opportunity of the college football season to uh, end up uh, way, way past uh, your, your normal time of going to sleep. And uh, you're gargling with Visine, trying to stay awake and see what the outcome of a ball game, what was going to be. So uh, uh, good stuff on the slate tonight. Also, uh, you have uh, the University of Miami, which is our hometown team. They're going out there against Miami of Ohio. The University of Miami favored. And that line is sliding in the direction of Miami of Ohio in this Miami versus Miami uh, colossal battle. 16 and a half now. The Hurricanes favored by uh, what would you say, Louie? 16 and a half seems like a very generous offering, does it not, for anybody going against this Hurricane football team, which was mystifying because uh, they went out, they made a huge investment in Mario Cristobal. Cristobal, of course, uh, with a terrific history, played for the Hurricanes during the glory era, 
And though I was a very well-liked, a popular player, those off and uh, people had been screaming for him to maybe become the head coach uh, numerous times when the opportunity presented itself. The Hurricanes uh, did not hire him. He goes to Oregon, uh, distinguishes himself pretty well, although you think that he's not exactly the genius game day coach that others perceive him to be. And, and maybe that's been demonstrated where he, he's had any number of failings in situations where uh, you thought he should succeed. You think he is too oriented towards running the football. Is that right, yes. uh, Louis? I think he, he runs away a very, very old-school kind of offense, and he struggles in-game. Like, whatever's going on in-game, he struggles. It was uh, ugliness uh, a couple of times, and uh, he took top-notch players and, and managed, uh, you know, it was the only thing about uh, who can hold Michael Jordan under 20 points. It was Dean Smith running that hideous four-corners offense which uh, the only people that really enjoyed watching that were the underplayers. Did, did, did he take that into account that Dino was going to go into the four corners when they were making odds in these games? The totals in those North Carolina games where they, the final would be like six to four. And you're thinking, uh, how is that possible to have 20 McDonald's All-Americans and only score six points in a ball game? But uh, right, anything to win. Uh, fortunately, they put in the shot clock and eliminated that hideous strategy uh, permanently from the game of uh, college basketball. But uh, the uh, Hurricanes last year, I mean, my problem with uh, Mario Cristobal, and he's, he's been a good guy uh, all throughout, a very popular figure here in South Florida. Uh, people applauded the move, They thought, but they thought Mark Richt was going to be the savior. They thought Al Golden was going to be the savior. And uh, he, he came off as somewhat of a used car salesman. In fact, you could have seen him with that shirt and tie uh, getting up and instead of saying, hey, come down to watch the Hurricanes play, saying, I'm Al Golden from Al Golden Chevrolet. You can buy here, pay here. He looked like uh, that, that kind of uh, charlatan, actually, as he was on the sidelines, although now prospering as the defensive coordinator of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So uh, he has managed to uh, work his way back into the system, and maybe that cliche applies that uh, a guy that's not a very good head coach made his mark at Temple, the Hurricanes were enamored with that, and they hired him at uh, big money, and the optimism uh, was uh, was very widespread, and nothing happened. Well, we had Randy Shannon here. We had uh, Larry Coca, who inherited the job, which uh, is one of those situations where never let the players pick the incoming head coach. Had uh, an incredible roster of talent, managed to win a national championship, go undefeated with that team the first year he was there. Uh, should have gone undefeated the second year and won two national championships and been among the most fabled, if you're going to use championships as a criteria, the most fabled of coaches of all time, and instead leaves in disgrace as uh, characterized as somewhat of a buffoon and ends up at the University of San Antonio, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, which yeah. at the time was an online school. Yep. <laughs> his, his big win that first year was over DeVry University. So finally, they get around to, uh, you know, after all of these uh, coaching perils that they've had here, they get around to uh, hiring Mario Cristobal from the University of Oregon. They, they lure him away, big money, $8 million a year. But the team actually regressed last year. Yes. I mean, yes. as, as supposedly poor as the talent was, it wasn't that bad. That You wouldn't think that Mario Cristobal, if he had this great coaching staff and this tremendous coaching acumen, wouldn't have been able to get better results than he did with the Hurricane players that he had a year ago. So how this game is going to go, uh, I, I'm not sure. You have, what, Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback, who was a yes. Heisman Trophy candidate going into last year and yep. was on the all-bustology, all-Dolly Parton team yep. uh, by the end of the season. Couldn't do anything right. And any number of bozoic-looking backups who would come into the game and just wreak havoc 
as uh, Cristobal was on the sideline looking rather perplexed. But uh, I, I'm not sure what to make of that game. I don't know anything about Miami of Ohio. I, I don't know. Uh, do you have any kind of a read on Miami of Ohio, Luby? None at all. I know nothing about Miami of Ohio. I know that the Canes are a double-digit favorite, <laughs> and no one's very confident about that. That's the one thing I know is UM land is all the tough, all the guff that, and all the crap that Canes fans talk. Uh, they don't seem to be very confident right now. No, you don't even hear that much uh, anymore. I mean, this this was one of the cockiest uh, franchises in sport at one yep. time. Walked in there, and everybody remembers the whole thing with the fatigues and, uh, you know, the steak frying uh, deal that they walked out on, and they had this big, tough attitude. That was when they got clobbered in the Fiesta Bowl in 1987 by a Penn State team that was plotting at best Pete Giftopoulos picking off any test of birdie in the end zone. Nobody could have ever dreamt this. Jimmy Johnson, to this day, his hair is still standing up like Don King. You don't even want to bring that game up to him if you ever get a chance to talk to uh, Jimmy. Because he still can't believe that he lost that ball game, but it, it does happen. So it's been a downhill spiral ever since uh, that that whole cocky uh, approach that the Hurricanes had to uh, uh, being uh, involved in any competition has uh, long since left. And they have the searchlights out there trying to find themselves once again and see if they can't recapture some of that magic. So uh, we'll see how that goes tonight. Uh, Hawaii is also in action tonight. Uh, I haven't heard too many people talking about this game. Stanford and Hawaii. In Hawaii, the uh, rainbow's uh, going out, and uh, after the tragedy that uh, struck Hawaii, you would think they're out there fighting for the people tonight. They're just coming off uh, a pretty decent effort against uh, a lousy Vanderbilt team, but nonetheless, uh, it was a radical improvement from uh, the play that they exhibited a year ago against uh, the Vanderbilt team in the very same spot. Actually, they played that game at home and got crushed like a grape. And sure enough, uh, they, they... Accounted uh, you know, for themselves very well, acquitted themselves very well. Nearly pulled it off for you, Libby, at six to one on the money line. You uh, you know came within yes. an eyelash of fame in that particular ball game. Yes, that, that's worth it though. If you're going to be gambling uh, and you're going to take the points, in this case they were getting what seventeen and a half points. Uh, Hawaii was uh, against Vanderbilt, and if you're going to take the points, uh, you may as well. If you're getting six to one on the money line and you think that your team's going to be in it, uh, why not at least take a shot, maybe for less money. But uh, go ahead and take a shot on the money line there, and uh, you can really make a score. So uh, you, you might diminish whatever your profit was. Let's say you were going with a stick as a unit, $100 bill. Uh, you might have $100 uh, on the uh, uh, Hawaii uh, team with the points. And what? So you come back with 25 25% of it on the money line and take a shot that you uh, maybe make a score at 6-1. to one. But uh, that, that's uh, going tonight. Stanford uh, laying three uh, on the road against Hawaii. Is Stanford going to get caught up in the Hawaii Bowl syndrome, you think? Where <laughs> the quarterback's got like a pineapple on his head before he uh, comes out there and uh, takes the first snap. Everybody looks disheveled. They all look like they've been on a, a six-day bender. Uh, I, you know, you, you would think that that's got to be a rough trip, uh, even for Stanford, coming from California. Uh, going to Hawaii for, is this their opening game? I want to say yes to that. Did Stanford play last week? I don't think Stanford played last week. No, no, no. Hawaii played, obviously, like you're talking about, but Stanford has – this is their opener. All right. So you have uh, Hawaii with a game under its belt. Yes. A much-improved lineup. Yes. A performance that was indicative that uh, maybe this is a team that is genuinely coming around uh, under uh, coaching leadership that uh, laid a foundation last year. And on top of that, uh, you know, the the, uh, game of experience and the home field 
has to be a big edge. John, what do you think? Take the points that I make a uh, convincing case for that without knowing anything about the Stanford Cardinal team. Honestly, well, it's funny. Uh, the professor who will be joining us uh, in about 15 minutes uh, was talking about Hawaii may be great and I don't want to steal a shine. So he'll probably talk about it, but uh, he was talking about with me that Hawaii may be interesting this season. The problem is the lines have already come down a lot after last week's strong play. So it's sort of annoying, but yes, Hawaii feels like they're a team that's coming along but Sharps have already started to catch up to it ahead of the curve, which is a little annoying. All right. So that, that, that's tonight's slate. And, and then, of course, the big one, uh, we talked about it a little bit, uh, is taking place on Sunday night. That's LSU and sure. FSU. That's a game that has uh, title implications. Dare we say it? <laughs> I don't know. I, National sure. title implications. There, it's a top 10 matchup, so I guess it's five versus eight, sure. Well, what do you make of Brian Kelly? Are, are you a Brian Kelly fan? I, I think he's a solid coach. I think he's a good coach. I think if you're LSU, after what was happening with Eddie O, to be able to go and get a guy who was coaching Notre Dame and took them to multiple playoff appearances, I think they went to at least one, if not multiple championship games, was seemingly a coup. I just don't know if he can get a team over the top. I don't know how he is as an in-game coach in big games. It feels like in those circumstances, he struggles. Like that, it, it does feel like that. My favorite thing about Brian Kelly was that he developed a Cajun accent. All of a sudden, and uh, he was speaking as if he was a cook at Mother's, and he was shoveling out a bunch of po' boys. <laughs> as uh, you, you look exasperated there, real Louis. I'm uh, very frustrated. Having... Mark Lawrence has been trying to get in. I Ken was able to do this, and Robbins was able to do this. Uh, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence has tried to do it. He supposedly sees us. So, hello, the one and only Mark Lawrence. How you doing, Mark? I can't get him in. I don't know why we can't get him in. It's uh. A little frustrating that we're having this issue because I'd love to get his plays. We're supposed to have the Greek coming yeah. up shortly. And then Ken, uh, the professor himself, joining us. So this is sort of stalling things. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated that I don't know why they were able to get in and he's not. He's having issues getting in. All right. All right. So we're going to try and work it out. Mark Lawrence, of course, will join us throughout the season. World Championship handicapper. And uh, th this is not uh, one of those... Uh, Fugazi Regional Wrestling Intercontinental Tag Team Belts. I, he did this a uh, long time ago before these kind of handicapping contests were uh, in vogue as they are today and before they had so many participants and everybody trying to make a big score. This was before the poker craze and uh, the enhancement uh, of these type of tournaments, whether you were talking about horse racing events or handicapping football. But uh, Mark was one of the early pioneers of uh, the uh, whole idea of uh, taking numerology and uh, let it substantiate uh, your your plays and, and give you an indication uh, that it, you might be able to find a line that you think is soft or out of whack based on your own uh, numbers, which uh, he has done uh, years and years of research and built up a database that is absolutely remarkable. I, I am not necessarily a trend handicapper, so it always fascinates me when you have somebody that can uh, give you uh, validation or justification for uh, one of their opinions uh, based on uh, things that have happened uh, in the past, even sometimes in some cases uh, going all the way back into the distant past, uh, you would think that uh, the evolution uh, of uh, sport in general and the changing nature of it might uh, negate a lot of this trend handicapping. But uh, it's amazing to me. It's been overwhelmingly impressive throughout the years to see uh, this uh, numerology kick in and uh, have Mark Lawrence uh, be constantly nailing underdogs and spotting plays that are well worthwhile 
And is there anything more thrilling than going against the grain, Luby? <laughs> Everybody in a bar has Ohio State, uh, and you've got the pesky Pirates of East Carolina. And you know that somehow they are not only going to be in this game, but maybe even win it outright. And uh, certainly uh, in a great position to cover a point spread. Uh, Mark's able to spot these kind of things through his trends. Uh, I, you know, like I said, uh, we, we believe in matters of the occult here on the show. So uh, far be it from us to try and refute any of the stuff that has a mathematical justification for it. But uh, at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, you, when you're talking about, well, this is the third time they're playing a team after a King moon and, uh, you know, where uh, blue cheese actually fell from the sky on a Tuesday night after they were beaten by, I, I, I have trouble following some of those uh, lines of logic, but uh, uh, Lawrence does it brilliantly. And uh, always has uh, a variety of theories, so it, it'll be good if we can incorporate. We're in. not going to get him. Feels like, but he did give me his plays for the day or okay. plays this week one of the college football season. Uh, I am I, looking for the one of the opponents, but uh, Monday night's game, which is a game that I'm not sure what to do with Duke versus Clemson. Uh, of course, I feel like Clemson's better. Duke's getting a little bit of hype for Duke because they finished last year eight and four. Uh, the former uh, gay, uh, former Texas A&M defensive coordinator is taking over there. It did a solid job in year one. Um, right now, uh, Duke has some hype. Mark Lawrence is all over. This is you're talking about his theories. O to be eighteen again <laughs> is the name of this week's uh, strategy, and he's okay. taking Duke to take out Clemson. He's taking Duke to take out Clemson and South. Uh, outright Alabama. or uh, just uh, with the points? No, I would say points. I mean, I don't yeah. think he's just uh, you know, thirteen he's, points. I have on that line. It might have changed he, since I'm looking at the uh, New York Post that I got this morning, which is essentially yesterday's news. Tomorrow, uh, this is kind of an older line. All right, so uh, taking thirteen points with Duke uh, against Clemson. This is Mark Lawrence. Yes, he's uh, taking the points with Duke, as he always loves the dogs, over Clemson. And he also likes South Alabama. Now I have to find who the hell their opponent is. because South it's, Alabama is going against Tulane. There you go. Oh, Tulane's a top 25 team. Tulane's a top 25 team, was the darling of the G5 last year. Almost made, the, almost made a playoffs last year. So he's all over South Alabama to hang in there with Tulane as well, as his dogs are barking once again. All right. Is there any kind of theory behind that? Uh, and, again, uh, he's calling it OGB 18 again. I don't know what that means, uh, but OGB 18 again. Uh, he said, uh, eight, oh, each team has 18. I guess both teams combined have 18 returning starters. Okay. So Big one team factor. has, uh, I, oh, I guess both teams. I guess each team has 18 returning starters out of freaking 22. So they're a veteran ball club. So he's going with OGB 18 again with South Alabama and Duke. All right, that's uh, Mark Lawrence, World Championship Handicapper. Uh, you can check out his uh, work at playbooksports.com. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to bring him to you because uh, he's a handsome gentleman. That uh, Also, what, when you hear him uh, lay out some of this logic and uh, the statistical material that he throws into these selections, that they are not just uh, idly drawn from uh, you know a handful of straws uh, where one happens to be the short one. Now, this is not a guy that's got some monkey... Uh, picking either the uh, purple or the green grape. Uh, the rationale behind it is part of the fun of uh, catching the strategies. And so uh, always going with underdogs also with his selections on the show. And every now and then he'll tell you to take a little taste on the money line. Uh, but uh, two plays uh, for this week, Duke. I have trouble uh, betting Duke, but I, I would normally be rooting against Clemson with uh, every, every uh, ounce of my emotional fiber. 
uh, rooting against Clemson. I, I don't know why. I was a Dabo Sweeney fan at one time until all of a sudden he started coming across like he was uh, a uh, football version of Joel Osteen. You know? <laughs> Lawrence also adds on that South Alabama-Tulane game that uh, he's more going against Tulane. Like the teams that come out of nowhere and win 12 games one year, they usually regress the next year. So he's expecting Tulane to regress and South Alabama a team to take advantage of that in week one. All right. All right. Uh, some sound logic there. Uh, two plays are six and a half points. South Alabama uh, getting the points against Tulane on the road. And uh, obviously Duke on the road against Clemson. That's a tough place to play, though. huh? Clemson, have you ever been to uh, the stadium there at Clemson? I mean, you're talking hillbilly city. Real deliverance type of stuff. Uh, I, I was in there a couple of times calling some basketball games at the, uh, what is it, the Little John Arena. Yes, uh, Little John Coliseum, I think is what Coliseum, they call it. and, uh, you know, you have to kind of go through the road that you uh, take to get into the football stadium, and uh, there's no way out, Luby. Well, once you're <laughs> in there, if somebody tells you to squat down like a pig, you're Ned Beatty. You're ready <laughs> to pull your pants down and just say, uh, have your way with me. <laughs> you Clemson uh, religious fanatic freaks. Uh, as uh, Dabo, uh, he, he kind of fell off last year, huh? And he wasn't yes. uh, talked about in the same illustrious uh, parameters as uh, you normally would have reserved for uh, guys like uh, Kirby Smart and, uh, and of course, uh, the devil himself, uh, Nick Saban, who uh, takes on a real uh, monumental task in this first week of the season when, when he refused to reveal his quarterback. Has that dented Better's appetite for uh, wagering on this ball game, or are you assuming that Alabama will cover any point spread no. uh, in their opening game against uh, whatever Patsy they have on the slate here today? I think they, uh, they don't play Mercer. They, um, I'll find that out. Uh, they play Middle Tennessee State. They do. They play Middle Tennessee State. Alabama tends to actually mess around in games like this, where like Nick Saban's not like Mister. I need to annihilate them by fifty. Like. He worries about the season at large more than he's not Spurrier. Like he's not worried about kicking the crap out of these teams. He wants to beat Georgia. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't touch a game like that. Like the spread is thirty nine to hook, and it'll probably get up to forty something. Like I, I, I that's a game I would leave alone because he could put his backup backups in, and they could have their starters in and get two stupid touchdowns. Like Nick Saban sort of screws around with games like that. Like I, I would just leave that game alone. I wouldn't go near that game. You pray that the Patsy team that's in there as a sacrificial lamb goes in there and somehow remarkably uh, benefits from a special teams play, gets decent field position, has somebody who can kick the ball like it doesn't have a gyroscope in it. They get the opening field goal, and somehow that three points is enough of a differential to uh, accomplish the cover for you while uh, Alabama maybe, I don't know, would they hold back at that point, or is Nick out there to pour it on everybody? Uh, It doesn't really matter that much point differential anymore, does it? You, you would think not. So, uh, I, I mean, the uh, tendency to uh, just pour it on at the end of ball games. Although, you know, you could uh, also justify uh, a 60 or 70 point bludgeoning of Middle Tennessee State by saying, well, you know what? Uh, we couldn't tell these backups that they uh, shouldn't go out there and play. They're out there just like everybody else wanting to show what they can do. So that's why we were throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Unloading bomb after bomb as we as if we uh, got our uh, offensive philosophy from Kim Jong Un or, or, or something along those lines. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, I, I I I would stay out of those games. Uh, some people say, and uh, we we've had I, I think it was Mark Lawrence that was telling us uh, last week that uh, sometimes uh, those gigantic point spreads you, you probably want to stay out of them, but uh, it, the majority of those games have actually ended up in, in favor 
of the team that was laying a huge amount of points, that they accomplished bigger blowouts uh, than uh, you would have normally anticipated. So, uh, yeah, Mark Lawrence, PlaybookSports.com. Check him out. Uh, you'll find his stuff fascinating. Puts out a, a preseason uh, football guide that is an absolute essential. And uh, you can log on uh, anytime and get uh, all of the information. He's not out there uh, selling picks. Uh, this isn't one of those guys that's going to give you the gold seal, double wheel, super It's <laughs> a parlay special of the century. And, uh, you know, I start uh, screaming and yelling how he was undefeated last week and uh, hasn't lost a single game in the last three years. Uh, that, that's not his style. Just, just great information that uh, you can use as a foundation for making your selections uh, all throughout the season. All right. Uh, we were also scheduled to talk to the Greek. I, I'm imagining that's a blow off too, uh, Michael. He's, Lubitz, not so a blow off. He's having the same problems. Uh, it's, I don't know what's going on. We, we did this two weeks ago. We had no issues two weeks ago. Uh, both Len Robbins and the professor were able to get on and yes. we had a really good time with them doing this exact same system. And both Mark Lawrence and Greek were able to get in and be viewers. So nice to see you. Uh, <laughs> not sure why they're having trouble get on here with us so that we can speak to them. Not right. sure. Uh, we, we uh, spoke with the Greek earlier this morning. Uh, he liked a couple of games, although uh, I don't recall what they were. I have. And uh, that doesn't do you much good here on License to Steal uh, either, as uh, <laughs> the uh, technical problems are starting to outweigh the uh, you know the value of the content of the show, which is uh, very unfortunate. But, uh, uh, yeah, it would be great if we could have uh, brought you to Greek. I, I would imagine, uh, is the uh, professor going to join us? Uh, professor should be joining us in a few minutes before we get to him, God willing. Uh, the Greeks plays for this week. So we have Mark Lawrence's plays. He likes Oh, there he is. Uh, we did get the professor. Oh, That's great. So the, we'll go to the professor right now. So thank goodness the one technically savvy, savvy person was able to be technically savvy. <laughs> uh, the Greeks plays for this week as Mark Lawrence again went South Alabama getting six and a hook over Tulane. Duke getting 13 over Clemson, uh, which I think will conflict with Ken's plays, but it is what it is. Uh, the Greek likes TCU laying 20. Or lane 20 and a hook, I think it might be officially, but I'm going with TCU lane 20 over Colorado, which I am all in with that one. I think TCU annihilates them by like three three scores, three to four scores. Well, when did Deion Sanders become a cowboy, though? Well, he looks like he's auditioning for Bonanza. I I, I, I guess he, he Colorado is cowboy, even though he's been in Dallas for years. An Illinois lane nine over Toledo. Illinois lane nine over Toledo is the Greeks' other play of the, of the week. All right. Well, we, uh, we've been treading water here for a little while, and... Uh... Uh, thanks uh, for uh, you know staying with us, but uh, we do want to get to the professor here who was able to sign in Thank on God. our uh, no filter platform. Uh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, it's like the goose coming in in relief here, uh, Goose Gossage. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, we we weren't uh, necessarily we're, we're not the guys you're coming to for uh, deep rooted logic on uh, some of these selections. So we we tend to be uh, you know more of an emotional variety. Uh, I just uh, however, heard that with with Luby's hatred of Deion Sanders, which is grown like a fire for like the last two years. <laughs> Almost as if he had mentioned some Boston Celtic great to you, uh, you know, and ask uh, what your opinion was of, say, uh, Bill Russell, who uh, some would Overrated. Massively suggest- overrated. It's <laughs> the greatest of all time. Uh, all right. Uh, you got off to a great start last week, Professor. We want to introduce the Professor to you. This is a guy who's... Uh, I mean, some people are waiting for the first snow in Aspen so they can go skiing. Some people are waiting for the surf to be up in uh, Hawaii. So I guess that, that might be your run. But and I'm waiting for week zero. Yes. You're waiting for week zero. <laughs> I, you and know, I, the, the, the even funnier thing is because we got like a two-hour lightning delay in the, uh, the Vandy-Hawaii yes. game to start the game. That seems to be an every-year thing with me now is that the, if – 
if there was an over under on will there be a lightning delay, if I pick a game, definitely take the over because it seems like every year, week zero, week one, I catch like three games that have like a three hour delay at the start of them. Pretty incredible. Now, now well, I, I would imagine you had to be on the side of uh, South Utah if you, your inclination was to stay up and watch that game to its ugly conclusion. No, I, I was locked into Vandy in Hawaii. I didn't have any. Oh, you mean last night? Last yes. night, yeah. Last oh, no, no, no. I quit after. Because your whereabouts were unknown uh, earlier this morning. And, uh, <laughs> I, we I quit after you had Minnesota and Nebraska, uh, which, of course, uh, just to mention, with like four minutes left in the go, uh, Luby sent me a tink about a uh, text about how P.J. Fleck was dead now. He was dead in the water. No chance <laughs> to survive the season. He sucks now. Which of course meant that Minnesota was going to just rage down the field, get the most ridiculous catch you've ever seen on fourth down to tie the game, and then get an interception and win and win the game in regulation. And I was uh, texting with a buddy. I was like, really, given Nebraska football for the last decade or so, there's no doubt this is going right down the middle. Like, like this, it's a freshman <laughs> kicker. It's not an easy kick. It's like 47 yards from the, the left hash. This is definitely not an easy kick right like it was on rails, right Perfect. down the pipe. And I don't know, maybe Matt Rule is now in trouble in Nebraska after game one. Like on the hot seat already. <laughs> well, they weren't dogs in the game uh, by seven points, so they did cover the point spread for uh, the uh, Cornhusker faithful out there that, that backed them in that regard. Uh, all right, we want to uh, dive into By the, the way, I do here. want to apologize yes. for missing this morning, um, but I spent the entire second half of the uh, Florida-Utah game furiously masturbating over the Florida incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hugely dehydrated yes. all last night, this morning, and I probably should have gotten an IV if I'm being honest. About like, how amazing. Like it's literally you and I were talking about it with Kim rising. I figured it'd be that, but without Kim rising, I, they come to find out they were missing eight starters. Utah. I mean, honestly, without we Kim, dominated that game with Kim rising, that might have been like forty-five to three at the final, right? fifty-two yeah. to three. Like they just dominated that game. They had some some failures on Florida's side of the field offensively, a couple drives. Um, but yeah, and Florida's offense that that offensive line is just woefully incompetent. They're gonna they're gonna get Graham Mertz killed by the end of the season. The way that game went. Yeah, we were saying. I mean, he may as well have been Ethel Mertz back there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was uh, getting annihilated uh, play after play. And uh, whatever could go wrong for Florida went wrong, which, uh, you know, what we find ourselves uh, reveling in. But, uh, oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Utah definitely dominated the action uh, far more than the tune of 24-11 uh, would have indicated. Uh, all right. Um, any thought on the uh, University of Miami game? I don't know if that's going to be one of your selections. Hard but, pass. Uh, it's down to 16 off the 17 number. Uh, I think it's honestly, it, it could be a 50 point game and it could go to the wire. I expect the Hurricanes to be improved. How much improved? I don't know. Obviously, if you expect Miami to look anything like they looked last year, then take Miami of Ohio on the points. It's a no brainer. I do expect the games to be improved, but I don't know. I, I, it's just a pure watch for me. I don't, I don't see any point in picking that game one way or the other, to be brutally honest. All right. Uh, you did make a score with Hawaii. You, you loved them uh, getting the points with Vanderbilt last week. Might have taken a little sniff on the money line, which uh, looked like uh, it had possibilities. It's hey, look, if you're getting plus 600 and you go <laughs> down to the last two minutes with a chance to win the game, that's all you can ask for. And really, throughout it. the course of the game, Hawaii had two red zone trips with zero points. It could have been a different story in the money line, but we'll take the plus 17 and a half. Excuse me, guys. Yeah. 
You're choking up thinking about uh, that. Uh, yeah, it's six a little... to one that went out the window. Yeah, get excited about that. Freaking quarterback. Um, all right, so, so I mean, liking them as much as you did, and, and you had uh, you know so, some real uh, fundamental stuff that uh, made a lot of sense to us, uh, which was you know that this new coach had come in there, and uh, you know they, they got shellacked by Vanderbilt the year before. That wasn't indicative of how the uh, Rainbows had played the rest of their season. They've made improvements uh, going into this year. So even though they were traversing, uh, you know, not only the country, but coming over uh, from the islands there and they were going to have to play uh, at Vanderbilt, that they were still a very live underdog in that spot, which it turned out to be. Uh, They they go against uh, Stanford uh, this week at home and Stanford is laying three. Uh, Okay, that's uh, look, I think this is an interesting week. I think there's one game that really stands out as an A game. We'll get to that in a minute. I will tell you, we've got a few other picks. Uh, Stanford and Hawaii is one of them. I will tell you right now, these are all like B plus picks. They could go. I, if you're a units player, they're one unit games. Um, there's one, I think is probably like a three or four unit game. The rest are all one unit plays. Stanford, Hawaii is one of them. And I know I talked up Hawaii last week. We're ping ponging it this week. I think a lot, I think this line is a big overreaction to that Hawaii Vanderbilt game and to the fact that Hawaii looked tough. I think Hawaii is going to be improved. I think over the course of the year, particularly on the road where under Timmy Chang, Hawaii looks a lot better than they have in years past. We'll get some opportunities to win on Hawaii later. I don't think this is the week. I think Stanford here, Stanford minus three. I think this line should be like seven, seven and a half. Oh, wow. um, sitting at three. Look, Stanford had their struggles last year. David Shaw kind of was trying to save his job. He tried to install that Wake Forest slow mesh offense, which is, had a lot of success around the country. They actually looked pretty good in it, but that's a tough system to adapt to in one year. That's sort of something you fade it, phase in over two or three years. Even at Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, whose offense it is, basically phased that in over the course of two years. Excuse me. <coughs> With the coughing in. Basically phased that in over the course of two years. I think Stanford, under Troy Taylor, who really had a wide-open, very effective offense at Sacramento State, averaged, I think, 42 points a game last year there while going 12-1. and one. I think you're going to see that personnel that Shaw likes to recruit, the big offensive linemen, tough run-oriented, big, tough running, physical running backs, and Taylor's going to be able to open that up. I think it's we're going to see a similar thing at Wisconsin uh, with Luke Fickle coming into that traditional Wisconsin offense. I think you're going to see a little bit of that with Stanford, and you might get a little best of both worlds, particularly when they have an athletic advantage, which they definitely will have in this game. I think physically they'll be just too much for Hawaii, and I think at three, it's a good spot to uh, go ahead and take the, the Cardinal minus the three. All right. So Louie's usual dime uh, per game, uh, the one unit. <laughs> He's got a dime going on uh, Stanford to uh, take out Hawaii by more than three. Uh, what are your other uh, one unit plays here, uh, Professor? Okay. So I think we got one each day, which is kind of good. And then finish up with a big game on Monday. So tonight we got Stanford. Uh, okay. Saturday, I think, you know, you're looking at this USC line. I'm currently showing it at 38. After watching the Trojan defense last week against San Jose State, I don't think you can lay big points against anybody with USC. I don't think you could uh, lay big points against St. Thomas Aquinas High School. (laughs) Their defense is just bad again. Not only did they uh, let San Jose State score 28, they let them have like three long ball control drives. That's going to eat up you in a big point spread. Now, hey, look, honestly – even at 38, Nevada might have to score 20 or 25 to cover this number because the USC offense is still off the charts. They're yeah. capable of dropping a 50 spot on anybody in the country. 
Caleb Williams, far and away the best quarterback in the country. I don't care what the North Carolina people tell you. May is not in the same class as Caleb Williams. He is just a different dude. Um, but 38 points, not with that defense. I think that's a suicide run, uh, laying that kind of number uh, with the USC defense. So I think Nevada plus 38. I get no money line here. Nevada's not going to win the game. Uh, don't be shocked if it's kind of close at halftime, just like last week was. Uh, Nevada plus the 38 looks like a very solid spot. And honestly, as long as USC's laying these big points every week, I think fading USC is probably going to be a play throughout a lot of the year. That defense was so bad last year, uh, especially at the end of the season. And based uh, on last week, it's not improved at all. Like if they had been playing a good offensive team last week, they might have given up 50, honestly. (laughs) They look beyond suspect, that's for sure. All right, so uh, taking the points with Nevada, I I had that uh, yesterday, I guess it was, this line was 38 and a hook, uh, USC. So you're getting about 38 points uh, with Nevada. Uh, against the Trojans, uh, that's Luby's second dime. Where else is he going with this one? <laughs> uh, actually, it's interesting you mentioned Luby because it's the Luby special game Sunday night, best game of the week. Uh, depending on which rankings you look at, took about number five LSU and number eight Florida State playing in Orlando. We're staying away from the line here because honestly, I think this is a coin flip game. I think this is basically a turnover game. Somebody's going to make a key turnover. Somebody's going to make a key mistake on special teams, and that's who's going to win the game. I'm looking at the total here, 56 and a half. Uh, You have two teams. I think people think of these as passing teams, and they're not. These are running football teams. Yes, both quarterbacks are considered among the favorites for the Heisman. They're both like the fifth and sixth pick. They're in the mix there. But neither of these teams are passing teams. Everything is based off their ability to run the football. Florida State, with that offensive line, does it very well. And LSU, with a lot of returning, I think four starters returning, three of which I think were freshmen and sophomores last year. I look for a big jump in them. And we know Brian Kelly – all the way back to, you know, 1AA days up there in Michigan. Uh, was it Great Lakes State, I believe? He has been an option guy. Yes, he's always liked to spread, to run the spread, but he likes to run the spread. Everything he's always done historically has been based on the run. He is not a passing team guy. Uh, so I would expect that even with Jaden Daniels, even with Jordan Travis, that to be a run-based team, it's a big number sitting at 57. And just like last week, well, we told you about it with Ohio and San Diego State, two running teams where the total never got close. Again, I think with these new clock rules, I don't think the total is going to be closer. I think this is a game probably played maybe in the high 40s, maybe not even there, maybe more like in the lower 40s. I, I'm picturing some, was it 23-21 last year or 24-23, something like 24, that? 24-23. Okay, so it was in the mid-40s last year. I look for a very similar thing this year. Wouldn't be surprised to see both teams get off to kind of a slow start to pick up in the second half. But I don't think they get anywhere near this total. I think this game will be not just under, but well under. Uh, I'm currently showing 56 and a half. It's been sitting at 57 most of the week, trended down a little bit today. But I still think you're, I mean, look, as long as it stays like 50 and above, I think you're you're good on an under here. I, and again, uh, talked about it last week. We'll continue to talk about it for as long as it takes to make them the adjustment. Particularly to get running teams, I think, you need to look to the unders until the books start to catch up a little bit to these new clock rules. Cause again, if you watch that San Diego state Ohio game last week, I think maybe like 10 or 12 combined drives the entire game. Jason. Like it, it was not a lot that that new clock is definitely going to have an impact on totals throughout the course of the year. All right. So uh, that's another one of your uh, one, uh, one star plays, one unit plays. Uh, so Louie's got three dimes out there and uh, which is the big one. Uh, this for, is the uh, big one, uh, and of course, naturally, we're going against Mark Lawrence because 
Why wouldn't we start the year the way we roll <laughs> every year? Or, yes. or maybe it was the Greek. I don't remember who made the pick. Anyway, whoever likes Duke, they're wrong. This is uh, the, the big that one. That was Mark week. Lawrence. Yeah. I've got it. I've got it as a three, maybe three and a half unit play. It could be four. Wow. Uh, I think this is the big play of the week. Clemson, I'm currently showing minus 12 and a half. It was up to 13 yesterday. It's back down to 12 and a half. Either number. I think Clemson's just going to club Duke like a baby seal. Um, look, you look at Clemson in the last couple of years, they really struggle with DJ on the Lele quarterback. Dabo Swinney and, uh, and his offense and on the Lele and his skill set just didn't match. The kid's a really naturally talented quarterback. He's got a big arm, but he does not get through reads quickly. He's got a good top end speed, but he is, he's a design runner. He's not an improvisational runner because he's fast, but he's not quick. I think that really did not blend well with Dabo Swinney. I think if you watch Clemson at the end of the year with Kate Klubnick, they were a better offensive football team, and I think it'll prove. Honestly, Klubnick gives me some vibes of, you know, when he's playing with the way he moves his feet and the fact that he can run, he can create some plays by running, but he really moves his feet outside the pocket to try to create big plays downfield in the passing game. I get a lot of white Deshaun, Deshaun Watson at Clemson vibes, and by the way, I don't mean that means he likes to assault sex workers. I mean the way he plays football. Um, but, yeah, I get a lot of those vibes with Club Nick uh, in terms of watching him in Clemson. And then you look at the team. Look, offensive line brings back four starters. Bring back arguably the best running back rotation in the country. It's certainly in there. Maybe the most important thing of all, adding Garrett Riley, who last year at TCU became basically the hottest coaching name in the country in terms of the assistant ranks. He's not going to be at Clemson very long, guys. He'll be there two, maybe three years at most before he moves on to his first top-level head coaching job. Obviously, he's got the lineage, little uh, Lincoln's little brother, um, and then proved it himself last year, totally turning that TCU offense around uh, completely in one year. I look for Clemson to have a really big season. We said it during our uh, our initial college football preview. I think Clemson is going to be a strong contender for a playoff spot. Who knows? Maybe even for a national title at the end. Again, I think they're loaded at running back. I think the quarterback really works. Experience on both the offensive and defensive lines. One of the best defensive backfields in the country. Now, they're a little short at wide receiver compared to what we've used to being seeing Clemson over the last few years. But I think when you have that much skill at running back and you have a quarterback can threaten the edges. That's going to create a lot of opportunities on the outside because teams are going to have to run a lot of single coverage. And if single coverage will neutralize maybe if your wide receivers are not the greatest group you've ever had at the school. So I expect really big things from Clemson. And I think it'll start with Duke. Look, Duke had a surprising year last year. They were nice team. I think one finished at nine wins. I'm not downplaying Duke throughout the course of the year. I just think in terms of raw pieces, they are badly outmatched in this one. I look for this to be a, a, even at 13. I looked at the Clemson comfortable here. Clemson probably like 21, 24. I mean, I, I think they're going to go well over the spread. All right, Martin Lawrence is suggesting take the points with Duke. The professor. I mean, look, we we know Martin down Lawrence the always wants here. to take the points. Yes. Um, and I don't blame him for that. It's obviously a system he's he's studied and done really well with over the year. I just happen to disagree with him on this one occasion. I'm sure they'll be playing. And, and it became agree. your uh, five-star play here. Already, yeah, three, four units. Again, so. I've been locked onto this yeah. game for like four weeks, so I'm not going to back down. As much as I respect uh, Mark Lawrence's pick, I'm not going to back off. You know, the, the one I've been locked in for for week one, because uh, somebody else looks the other way at it. All right, a uh, little uh, one-unit game uh, every night, and then the big one on Monday night uh, with uh, the professor recommending that you go ahead and, and unload on Clemson. 
uh, yeah. laying the 13 points and, and thinking that you're I mean, hopefully we'll go three and zero in the first three, so you have three units to, to go in double barrel at at uh, on Monday night. All right, sounds good, uh, Professor. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with all your selections. Uh, excellent logic as always, and uh, you know, a great research uh, in uh, making the selections here on the show today. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. You guys have a great one. Thanks, Professor, man. ladies and gentlemen. All right, so uh, to wrap things up and we're, yeah. to remind people what uh, each guy did, and sorry we didn't get you, Mark Lawrence, we didn't get you the Greek, but we have their plays. Uh, Mark Lawrence, again, like South Alabama, getting six and a hook over Tulane. He likes Duke, unlike the professor, getting 13 over Clemson. The Greek likes TCU, laying 20 over Colorado, and Illinois laying nine over Toledo. And we just heard the professor, he likes Stanford, for tonight's game. So you get action every day. You get a little bit of action every day. Stanford laying three over Hawaii. Nevada getting 38 over USC. LSU and FSU in a dogfight on the ground under that 57 or 56 and a hook total. And Clemson, uh, again, the opposite of Mark Lawrence, laying 13, 12 or 13 over Duke. All right. Uh, so uh, we had uh, two of our Titans uh, checking in on opposite sides of that one game, uh, Clemson and Duke uh, for Monday night. So they'll find it out there. Uh, we will keep track of how everybody does during the course of the season. We apologize for the communications breakdown where we were not able to uh, present you in their full splendor. Uh, Mark Lawrence of PlaybookSports.com or the Greek, who uh, we have deemed, uh, I think it's pretty much universally known as the luckiest man on the face of the earth. If it wasn't Gary. It was our good friend, and uh, we always thank the professor. Uh, really gets into this stuff. Uh, he literally lives for it and does a fine job. I think you'll find his stuff fascinating throughout the course of the season. Now, that's going to do it for License to Steal for this week here on No Filter. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Have a very profitable weekend. We want to yes. see in the obituary column the name of your bookie <laughs> when we join you again uh, next Friday with the next edition, uh, hopefully with our full complement of handicappers of License to Steal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.